Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Erica and I will be talking about family, cultural, and personal traditions and how to continue taking part in the traditions that are important to you as things change in your life. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're We're your hosts, the the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Three of Pentacles. The theme of this card is the teamwork journey. In the traditional Rider-Waite-Smith version of this card, there are three figures standing under an ornate archway in what appears to be a church. I think it's a monk, an architect, and a builder, which might be set up for a hilarious joke, but is actually the team that is working together to complete the project. Yeah, and all these people need to be present in order to build the arch. They do so together. So the monk can't design or build. He hires people to do that. The architect designed the archway, but he can't build it, and he needs approval from the monk. And then the laborer or the builder, he actually builds the thing, but he needs input from the monk and the architect. So this is a journey of teamwork and making things happen through processes. The monk has a need hire someone to design what he wants, and then hire someone else to build it. And it's also important, I think, to notice that they are turned inward to face each other, which shows that they understand that this is a team effort. No one thinks that they are more important than the others. They all understand that they have a role to play. So do you have a story about teamwork, Erica? My roommate was hired a couple months ago at my job as a front desk receptionist. Um, and you know, there was the whole talk about like, can we work together and live together at the same time? But that's not what this story is about. What the story is about is, um, she was essentially brought on to the company with the goal of improving processes and improving productivity for providers. And that was a lot of PR alliteration there. That's kind of her goal. And she started implementing a lot of Google Forms through our Google Suites account for replacing, um, you know, these ping chats that we are sending to each other in which things were getting lost. And so now the forms can go to spreadsheets and she can see all the things. Anyway, she's, she's created this whole new system that seems to be working really, really well. My part in that was to set up a better way for requesting testing for our clients because we test every year. There was some issues around goals being missed and tests not being done. And we, we needed to figure out a way to fix that because parents were getting frustrated with the amount of testing that we were doing. There was one Friday where we were trying to figure out what the core issue was. Like, what is the problem that we need to fix? And we spent literally all day on this Friday talking about it, going back and forth, trying to figure out if we needed a form, what, like, what was the best solution? So in that sense, you know, if we look at the Rider Waite Smith picture, 
we also had to include the owner of the company in it. We had to get her approval. And so if the owner was the monk, who's the one kind of in charge, who's facilitating, who's the one, you, you know, like using the building, as it were, me being the designer and the architect coming up with, well, what do we actually need? And my roommate being the builder, the one that coming up with the, like actually forming the process that like it was truly was this moment of like everybody had a part to play and none of us could have done it independently that's so nice that's so perfect (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's an interesting thing about the tarot too is figuring out which role like especially when there's multiple characters in the cards it's like figuring out which person that you relate to in that moment and so for this case you relate to the architect but I imagine sometimes you're the builder or sometimes you're the the monk so oh yeah for sure well I don't have such a perfect example (laughs) (laughs) that's okay they don't all have to be perfect so we're getting ready for a a bike polo tournament here Uh, this is the first one that Dana's club has hosted so I've been kind of watching that come together and helping when I can but I, I am more of like a outside observer for this. I'm like the person looking at the card and watching the process come together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, a lot of it I feel like is, you know, Dana is kind of all three characters, but also Peter who is really helping him. And I think they're both like filling all three roles as the needs arise, Mm -hmm. like depending on what's going on. So like Dana just did a bunch of shopping for it to get some food and things like that for people to have while they're here because the court that they'll be playing at is um, pretty far away from anything to get food at. So Dana made a bunch of burritos this morning, breakfast burritos to share. He's been trying to figure out how to make it like fun for people to watch if they're not here. So he got a camera and like a cable system that's going to run above the game. Nice. And it's going to be really cool, I hope. He said he's tried it out yesterday and said it worked really well, but then it died. So today he'll test it again. But anyway, he's just like doing his best to kind of develop their club down here. There's not that many players locally. And every time a new person joins, somebody else leaves. So it's like kind of mm. staying at the same level. And so I think that their goal is to like use this event to bring more like local awareness to the club. There's a the journey of the teamwork that's happening is just they had a meeting together to make a plan and figure out what needed to be done. And then they have been communicating and they I mean, mostly it's Peter and and Dana, but I think Chris has been helping too. sometimes I don't know for sure who's really helping, but anybody who's helping is they have been working together to communicate well, get things planned out and then implement nice. what needs to be done. So, yeah. I think that that's true of any sort of event. You, know, you need to have the planner and the doer and the implementer, the one that approves it, mm-hmm. has their magic wand and says, yes. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to our main topic. We say this all the time on this podcast, but witchcraft is very personal. And that is a major focus in Mumbles Academy and here on our podcast that it's very important to emphasize who you are as you determine how you practice because your witchcraft practice is ultimately an expression of yourself and your spirituality. 
Sometimes a witchcraft practice gets a little abstract, and one way to make your practice more concrete is to develop traditions or incorporate traditions that you already have. So this will anchor your practice and give you a touchstone for your beliefs. In this episode of the Talk Witchcraft podcast, we will explore how you might start a new tradition for your witchcraft practice by looking at three different types of traditions the family tradition, the cultural tradition, and the personal tradition. Let's start, as we often do, by defining the word tradition. Yes, let's do. (laughs) A tradition is a custom or belief that is done time after time or year after year and is often passed down from one generation to the next. Traditions are more than just how we celebrate a sabbat or honor the changing moon phases. Traditions have a deeper meaning behind the choices that we are making. So they could be something that you do in order to connect with your heritage and family, to represent your spirituality in a tangible way, and to help you connect to your practice and yourself. So let's look at some examples of how you might start a new tradition for your witchcraft practice or redesign and refresh some traditions you already have. The first one is the family tradition. Likely a family tradition is something that you think of first when you hear the word tradition. These are the things that you remember from your childhood that your family did together each year or each month or each week. So for some, family traditions might bring up happy memories and make you feel nostalgic for your childhood. And for others, family traditions may be a source of heavy emotions and baggage. But no matter how you feel about family traditions, it can be really helpful to examine them when you're developing your own traditions. And this is because your past influences the way you define yourself and how you will continue to define family in the present and in the future. Consider the family traditions you did as a kid and decide whether it's something that you want to continue and consider how your family traditions evolves as your family evolves. As we've talked about before, I have recently lost our grandparents. Our Christmas traditions were heavily wrapped up in their presence. Last year with COVID being a thing, we didn't really feel this loss and didn't have the opportunity to kind of grieve it and mourn it. But on Christmas Eve day, I woke up and it was kind of a gray day anyway. Um, You know, it was trying to snow, but not quite. And it was a little drizzly. And I was just feeling really glum. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And my boyfriend had some errands to run. So I went out with him and kind of just was chatting with him, but also sitting in comfortable silence with him and like letting myself process kind of what it came down to was this feeling of like all of my traditions for my entire childhood were no, not happening this Christmas. There was this like sense of loss and feeling lost, feeling like a ship out to sea and not having a compass and being very confused and not knowing how to proceed. I mentioned this to my dad and he also said that he was feeling that way. He was feeling very vulnerable. He was feeling lost and not sure of where, what, what to do next. We both kind of ended up realizing that going to church and going to the Christmas Eve service was this one tangible tradition that we as a family had left. We we went to Christmas Eve service every single 
year sitting with our grandparents. And even though our grandparents weren't there physically, we could still go and do that tradition. And I mentioned that to my mom then after the Christmas Eve service. And she was like, yes. She's like, I felt like this pull and this need to be at church for Christmas Eve. And so I think all of us were having that sense of need and pull to this service, even though Maggie and I don't really subscribe to those beliefs anymore, but it was still something that we had to do because it was that one kernel of sameness in this year of chaos. Yeah. And it's like, like we talked about before tradition or what you said before that traditions are an anchor that give you something to like hold on to as things change around us. And that's what it felt like. So yeah, like you said, even though I don't necessarily believe in like the birth of Jesus happening at Christmas time, a lot of the other stuff that happens at the Christmas Eve service are still important to me, like reconnecting with old friends, um, seeing people that I don't see very often, and having that like moment of just being in a place that I recognize (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um, spending that time in the ritual of the Christmas Eve Eve service. And and we both did in that service, we both added our own like witchy stuff to it. One of the um, traditions, one of the rituals of the Christmas Eve service is at the very end, we light candles and sing Christmas carols in a circle around the sanctuary. And for some reason this year, I was like, I'm going to do a candle ritual. I'm going to carve a word. And so the sermon had been about welcoming people home, which was just so poignant to how our family in particular was feeling. It just was very, it just touched all four of us on a deep level. So I carved with my fingernail because I didn't have anything else, the word home. And it didn't, it wasn't perfect. Like I couldn't get it quite in there. It did not look like the word home, but that's not the point of a magical ritual. The point is the intention that I put into it. So as we were singing those Christmas carols and the candle was burning, you know, it was this intention of being home, being in a familiar place, being with family. And that's, that's kind of what we did or I did. Yeah. And I, I can't carve with my nails because they're too thick. So I just, you know, put my intention into the candle and really um, focused on it, kind of visualized the, a white light surrounding it as my intention went into it. And I think that that's part of traditions is that each year they don't look exactly the same. There's different people there. There's new people. Some people leave. But the like essence of the tradition is still there. And so you can change things slightly but it's not really about like the exact thing that's happening. Those are more like rituals, but the tradition is the underlying thread of what makes it special. So we were thinking of some other like family traditions and I, what came to mind for me was the Friday family fun night, which I looked forward every forward to every week. We'd go to blockbusters and Quiznos (laughs) pretty much every week. And for like, neither of those things exist anymore. (laughs) Does Quiznos not exist anymore? <laughs> not really. Like I think there's a few scattered here and there, but it's not as big as it was. Yeah. And I'd always get that cheese pizza, which was just like not a good pizza, but I loved it. And uh-huh. we got Totoro like seven weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah. I think before that, my obsession was Cinderella. Yeah. And we'd get um, the Land Before Time movies too. 
Anyway, mm-hmm. we'd we'd each pick out a movie. Each person in the family would get to pick a movie. We'd get our food, and then we'd sit and we'd watch one of the movies for each night of the week. And sometimes we'd play a game. Um, and as I was thinking about it, I was like realizing how for me as my family has evolved now I'm living with my husband and we have different rituals on Friday night and different traditions there's still a family fun night and I hadn't really connected those dots that were that was maybe influenced by growing up with Friday family fun night but now like Dana will come home on Friday night and that'll be the night that we like ride our bikes to our favorite restaurant usually Papo's and then we'll play games together. It's fun how things evolve like that. Yeah, well, and mine mine has evolved too. I love that uh, my roommates, um, my, my roommate and my boyfriend have embraced Friday Family Fun Night because they welcomed me into their family and we became a larger family. And I told them about Friday Family Fun Night and they were like, sure, let's do Friday Family Fun Night. Like it was no big deal. And then the way that it changed was My roommate said, you know, Friday is a really good date night. And so would it be possible for us to switch Friday family fun night to another night during the week? So now we have Wednesday family fun night, which is not as great of an alliteration, but it, it does, it does its job. There's not very many words that start with W. I was trying to think of I was thinking wacky, weird, Wednesday, wacky, weird night. (laughs) Wednesday. Wacky Wednesday weeknight. Oh, there you go. So <laughs> it's it's a family tradition that I had from my childhood family that I have adopted and changed to work with my new adult family. Exactly. And so that's like the part of the family traditions is, you know, seeing what you had from childhood. And, and maybe if you don't have like happy memories from childhood that you want to carry on, you know, developing your own family traditions based on something that you do want to have or you wish you had as a child. But the thing about traditions is that they continue because it's important enough to at least one person to keep it. So like Friday Family Fun Night could have just, you know, died if we if it wasn't important enough to either of us to keep it going in our own adult families. But it's it was a fun thing that we remember from being kids and it was important enough that we wanted to bring it to adulthood. And it's, you know, they don't look the same, but it's the essence that of what that meant of spending time together, of doing activities together, having dinner together, all of those, those parts are still there, even though it doesn't look exactly the same. Right. And I think the reason that it emerged was because there are some weeks that we'd be really busy. We'd have different like extracurricular activities voice lessons, uh, piano lessons, meetings, and all those kinds of things. And so it was like one day a week that we made sure that we had at least one dinner together if somebody was missing from one of them. And that's that's the essence of it, is to make sure that we place value on spending time with the family. Before we talk about the cultural and personal traditions, let's take a break to hear from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Hattie's Ultimate Witches Hats. Same great shape, a new improved model. Hattie's hats repel hexes and curses and make you look great at the same time. The cone shape funnels energy from the universe into your physical body so that you can manifest with ease. 
I was given this hat for Yule and it's indisputably the best hat I ever wore. As a reputable witch in the community, I want to look my best and feel protected from those who wish to cause me harm. This hat is just the ticket. To order your hat, please send in the order form with the following measurements. Head circumference, forehead to base of neck, ear to ear across the forehead, ear to ear over the crown of the head, and temple to temple around the back. Each hat is guaranteed to delight and comes with a limited term warranty. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Another type of tradition extends beyond the family to a broader culture that you belong to. As you develop your witchcraft traditions, you may wish to pull from the culture that has influenced you and continues to influence you. So one example of a culture that may influence your witchcraft traditions is a religion that you follow or have followed in the past. So as we've talked about, both of us are somewhat influenced by our Christian upbringing. And I think that infiltrates, it filters into the way that we practice witchcraft. You know, I think that Maggie and I both were privileged to be in a family that allowed us to kind of explore. So even though we were brought up in a Christian tradition, we were encouraged to look at other cultural traditions of Buddhism or Wiccan or any sort of other pagan traditions. I went to my good friend growing up was Jewish and I went to her bat mitzvah and I went to seders with her every year. Those cultural traditions that she had were shared with me and I was able to learn from them. Yeah. And I think with the Buddhism, I I feel like a lot of every time I reflect on like things that Poppy talked about, there's so much of the Buddhist tradition and what he believed in. So I think about the things I've learned from him and how much is really a Buddhist tradition. Another culture could be your location. So it could be on a local level, like your hometown and other cities that you've lived in, as well as where you live now. And additionally, regions that have different cultures and other and other countries. So there may be certain traditions you engage in based on where you live or have lived. For example, we, we grew up in a small suburb. We also both moved to the same college town, which is very much influenced by microbreweries and that college feel. Yeah, and then like moving to Portland, there's a similar culture to like where we grew up because it's sort of weird, but it has its own weirdness in Portland. And then now living in St. Petersburg, it's more like East Coast feel compared to other places I've lived that are more Western, a lot more like water sports and like that kind of stuff. And then particularly in St. Pete, there's a big like pirate culture. There's a lot of people who cosplay as pirates a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, So that's like cities. And then there's also the culture of the states in the United States or different regions of the United States. So like the West has its own culture, the East, but then there's also like Southern culture, Pacific Northwest culture, like there's all these different things that they influence how you interact in the world and the different like traditions that might happen. And one thing like that is the difference between Maggie and I is we both grew up in Colorado and Maggie has definitely picked up on that mountains and outdoor adventure like kind of culture, whereas I want nothing to do with it. And so even though we both have that same tie to that culture, you don't have to take all of it on all the time. And so the like different 
traditions that might happen in these different places are like in a suburb. With our, our suburb that we grew up in, there's that old town feel. And that's the same with Fort Collins too, with the college. There's, there's this um, community that rises up to preserve that old town feel and preserve that history. And so there's like, you know, we've got taste of Fort Collins. We've got Louisville has something. Yeah. Every summer they have weekly concerts. I think that's actually a really cultural thing for Colorado because I was noticing that when we went to Arvada and their old town is very similar feel to the old town Louisville. And then there's like old town Greeley, old town Loveland, like all these different places along the front range really do value that like central old town and then like the suburbs that kind of spread out from it I haven't noticed that in other places that I've lived at least not in the same way there's like a central area but it's not like so focused on that same like mining history because they don't have the mining history Mm -hmm. I guess (laughs) but right and well I was just thinking about like I, I traveled to Albuquerque multiple times as a kid for dance competitions and they have an old town like center but it's more based on like museums and there's like restaurants around, but there's not like this community building feeling I, I, I got in the same sense that like we have in the Colorado old towns. Yeah. Like that's, there's events every, every summer in Louisville. Like we mentioned that those are traditions and the goal is to bring people into the old town. And that's the same mm-hmm. with Taste of Fort Collins. Um, and I, I think that art sense is kind of what, you get in St. Petersburg is a really big focus on like the murals and the museums. And so Mm -hmm. there's more of like a cultural focus. And so all of the events are kind of surrounding, you know, um, local artists and craft fairs and things like that. Like we have, a that's pretty much every single festival or traditional like summer thing is a craft fair. So yeah, like there's different state level traditions and then even bigger, the United States has certain traditions and holidays that are like focused on that country and all countries I'm sure have their own holidays and things like that, that are celebrated as a tradition. And then any group or membership that you belong to probably has a culture associated with it. So what came to mind when I was thinking of this is like the Masons, like the Elks Lodge, Lions Club. Rotor Club, Rotary Club. <laughs> so those are all, they all have their own like little culture and I've never belonged to any of those. So I can't speak to them. My group would be my sorority, the Kappa Alpha Theta. There are things that we do that are traditions. You know, there's, we always have Founders Day. We always, when somebody's getting married, we take a picture with them all. We make our arms look like a kite with the bride in the center. You know, there's all these traditions that come from being a member of that group. Then there's like yeah. political culture as well, if you belong to a particular political party and that kind of thing. So if you belong to a membership, you probably have certain traditions that are associated with it. And then the various personal identities that you have are also cultural experiences. So this includes your race, your sexual orientation, your gender, your ethnicity, and on and on. So there's certain things like if you're part of the LGBTQ community, there's pride festival and obviously people outside of that can celebrate pride as well but it's much more important to people who belong to that community and so that's like a traditional yearly thing that happens in June there's different like women's festivals and and expos I know I went to the women's expo in Portland every year for the five four years that I lived there so that became sort of a tradition with me and my friends 
So all of these different like identities that you might have, there might be some traditions that you develop based on that. So all of these different traditions that you engage in or develop may be influenced by any of these different cultures and others as well. And the final type of tradition is a personal tradition, which is a tradition that is important to you and developed based on your personality, your values, interests, skills, beliefs, and motivations. And the way that you develop your own witchcraft traditions is entirely up to you, which means that this is where your creativity is very important. The traditions you engage in may be carried on from your family and cultural tradition or some evolution of these. And at the same time, you can create new traditions. Even though a new tradition is somewhat of an oxymoron, all traditions have to originate somewhere. And if these traditions aren't passed on into eternity, it doesn't make them any less special. Also, keep in mind that the tradition is that underlying meaning, like we've been talking about, the essence behind why you are doing a ritual or an activity. And so that's why it's important to consider your beliefs, your personality, and all those things that I mentioned before when you create a new witchcraft tradition or modify an old one, because then you can incorporate those things into your practice. Personal traditions may be things that you do weekly. So for me, when I first started my very first big girl job, I, I have a habit of, I love eating out. I love fast food of any kind. It's just my secret guilty pleasure. And it's not, not so secret now. You're telling the whole (laughs) podcast. I am. It's not secret. Everybody knows it. It is a just a flat out guilty pleasure. And I I would eat out every day if I could. But money and health prohibit that. So my compromise that I made with myself is that I could pick one day a week where I could have lunch out, where I could leave my place of work, have a moment for myself and have have that guilty pleasure. And so it's changed over the years as my job has changed. And now I do a supervision day once a week. And so my super, and that's out of the norm. It's a different day. It's not a provider day. And so that has become my tradition of I eat out on supervision days. And it's funny because now all of my supervisees have picked up on that and so whenever I come in, they will ask, like, what are you getting out today? <laughs> what are you having for lunch today? And so it's become a tradition for them as well. For me, every other Friday, it's not really weekly. It's like every two weeks. But I have this newer tradition that I started as a ritual of self-care because I used to bite my nails and I pick my skin. And so I started doing my nails to help me stop doing that because I want them to look nice. So I stopped biting them or picking my skin. And I chose to do this on Fridays because it honors Freya. And so the underlying like reason behind that ritual is that it's a self-care thing. Like that's the important thing. And it becomes a tradition because I do it, you know, consistently, I guess, time after time. And then other kinds of traditions may be done monthly. So one thing is like, at the new moon, I make note of what I'm leaving behind and carrying on. And I set my intention for that lunar cycle. And that happens about once a month at, you know, moon month. 
That's why it's called that. And then the full moon also occurs about once a month. And at that time, I celebrate my blessings and prepare to release the things that are holding me back. And so the ritual surrounding that changes slightly. I don't always do the exact same like activities, but the underlying reason for it maintains the same to set an intention and then to celebrate and to let go of things. I don't have a thing that I do every month. Well, that's okay. But that's okay. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe I'll start thinking if there's something that I want to pick as like a self-care tradition. Yeah. And personal traditions can also be done quarterly, like the planning we talked about last week, or yearly, like a Sabbat celebration or other holiday. One tradition, like the planning, that's that's one that I do every quarter. And in, it is a ritual in a way because I, but it's the same as like with the moon. I don't do it the same way. So the ritual kind of changes, but the reasoning behind it is it helps me stay organized. So that, that's what makes it a tradition. And then for the sabbats, same thing, I guess. You know, holiday traditions are pretty easy to develop. There's things that like you try it once and it doesn't work, kind of flops. You're like, okay, we're not doing that again. But then there's other things that like you do it and then don't even realize that it's going to become a tradition, but it just keeps going and kind of just is like, oh, I guess we do this every year. I've had a couple of those come up where it's like, Somebody has asked me if I'm going to do something. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess we did do that last year. Yeah, we should do that again. (laughs) And so they kind of just sneak up on you. Yeah, I think uh, that reminds me of I get mom the five-year journals. I've done gotten her two now. So she has like almost 10 years of the way they work is it's like you write what you did, like a sentence about what you did each day. And something that she started noticing after doing this for so long is that certain things kind of happen on the same-ish day every year so she's like oh I had a I had lunch with this friend and then the next year it's like had lunch with this friend (laughs) as the same person that's so it becomes a tradition with like movies and video games like for some reason I always play Zelda in August and I always watch Lord of the Rings in like October November yeah it just that you get this feeling of like I think it's time to do that again and you realize oh yeah it's because I do that every year (laughs) Well, those mov- movies usually came out around then. So it probably started yeah. with their like release date. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it is funny how tra- like that's really what traditions do. And I think that's important to keep in mind is that, you know, you don't want to try too hard to like establish a tradition because I mean, if it's really important to you, then yeah, like tell people that you want this to become a tradition. But things sort of happen organically as well, where it's just like. This is a tradition now. So think about as you go through your week, how do you develop your own witchcraft traditions and what your traditions are and think about are the traditions that you have and are continuing beneficial for you? Is it time to let it go? Is it time to change it? We're embarking on a new calendar year. And so as you go throughout the year 2022, think about like what traditions you want to continue. This episode is brought to you by patchouli. So I will start by telling you about the medicinal properties and then Maggie will share the magical one. The patchouli plant or pogostamon cablin is a bushy evergreen perennial herb. Its leaves are lightly fragrant, which is interesting because it's 
such a distinct fragrance. It is native to Asian countries and has been widely cultivated all over the tropics and subtropics. It is mostly used in perfumery and has been used as an ingredient in toiletries, cosmetics, breath fresheners, incense, insecticides, disinfectants, and commercial food flavorings. It is just a very well-known fragrance. It is one of those things that you either love it or you hate it, and it's so distinct that you can immediately recognize what it is. It's got the nostalgia of like I want to say the 60s and the 70s. Like it just like brings that time period to life. It has been used as a pest deterrent, so it would be used to keep wool moths out of shawls and rugs. It's been used to flavor all sorts of like chewing gums and candies desserts, uh, just all sorts of culinary uses for it, in addition to its perfumery uses. And medicinally, it's been used to reduce appetite, water retention, exhaustion, and inflammation, and used as a tonic. It's, um, it's, it's good for a good tonic for the veins. It tones up the structure of the veins and makes them more efficient. It's considered a cell rejuvenator and antiseptic, which is why it's been used a lot in cosmetic and skin care and has traditionally been used to treat acne, eczema, and inflamed, cracked, or mature skin. So wrinkles. It's also good for dandruff uh, and athlete's foot, as well as hemorrhoids and impetigo. And it's also a, a good use for emotional disorders, such as nervousness, depression, and insomnia. It's also really good for um, any stress-related complaints, as it is a relaxant. So patchouli is a passive herb that corresponds with Saturn and Venus, the Earth element, and Capricorn and Virgo. And it can be used for any spell that has to do with love, lust, passion, fertility, prosperity, spiritual growth, beauty, relaxation, protection, communication, and courage. So everything. (laughs) (laughs) The way I use patchouli the most often is as an oil, but you can use the plant parts added to various spells. So like a candle spell with the patchouli oil used to dress the candle or sprinkle the herb, a dried herb onto the candle, add it to a charm bag, add it to a pillow or your bath mixture or anything like that for any of those purposes I mentioned. One way to use patchouli is to dress your wallet in the oil or to put a leaf of patchouli in your wallet because that will draw money to you. One of the most common ways to use patchouli is for fertility. And since I'm a person who has chosen to not have children, I like to mention that fertility doesn't always have to be about childbearing or becoming a parent. Fertility can also be about creativity and, you know, fertile thought and things like that. So any of these herbs that are used for fertility magic, which is a very common purpose in a lot of like traditional texts, because most things that people cared about were protection fertility and finding um, like a partner. So, you know, those are pretty common uses for a lot of these plants. And as modern people, we have a lot of different needs and desires. And so 
these traditional texts can be like translated into more modern terms through things like using fertility herbs for creativity and things like that. Because what is creating life but a form of creativity? So anyway, that's just my little aside about fertility plants. (laughs) But patchouli (laughs) is a really good one for that, whether you are using it for becoming a parent or for having a fertile mind. The spiritual growth one, I think, is interesting because this is such an earthy plant that you that it is very much associated with like groundedness. You know, it's associated with Capricorn and Virgo and the earth energy, Venus and Saturn. So I think that's really interesting for this like spiritual growth aspect of it too, because in order to expand your consciousness and become more spiritually aware, it's really important to have that groundedness in the physical so that you don't kind of lose yourself in the spiritual. So um, having that balance, I think, is really interesting. So the that's the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! That's all, folks. Next week we will be doing we will be talking about the Four of Pentacles. So, like we did at the beginning of the show, we will be talking more about the Four of Pentacles next week. Erica and I will look for times in our week that remind us of this card or some other point in our life. So the four of <laughs> pentacles is this guy who's holding on to his four pentacles. And, he, and in some ways, he is kind of controlling of his resources. But in others, he's just, he's in control. So rather than being like completely a freak about it, a control freak, he just has a good mind about what his financial situation is, what his security looks like because he has some control over it. He has some awareness of it. So it it could be a little bit of both. Like there's different extremes with all of these cards, but basically it's about, you know, understanding what you have available to you on a physical level and not being really willing to change this, the way that you are the way that you do things, the, and again, all of this is on a physical level. So like finances, the food that you have, the place that you live being really set in your ways because you feel so secure about it. So we'll be looking at times that we feel that way. And if you would like to share your story about the four of pentacles, please send us a voicemail to we listen at talkwitchcraft.com. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 053. Join us next week when we talk about the witch archetype. Make sure that you are subscribed so that you are notified about each new episode. And to help other witches find this show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at mumblesandthings. And if you have any other tips to add, Tell us about it in the Talk Witchcraft Forum in Mumbles Academy community. And don't forget to share this episode with your other witchy friends and followers. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Knox just came up to the edge of my chair and like put his little paws up. And now he's Aww. here. Now he's sitting behind yeah. me. Yeah. Hi, Knox. What are you doing? <laughs> he's trying to push me off my chair. I'm sitting on the edge of my chair. <laughs> oh, I forgot you were back here. You're just so sweet. He's just been sitting back here. Now he's standing. Okay. Ooh, not. Ooh, not. What did ah, he do? He did what that do thing. Do? He did that thing he does. He squirted on me. Ew. I have to go clean up. Okay. <laughs> do you want to say goodbye? <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> bye.